0: Normalize saying the word vagina, talking about your vagina, and get in a mirror and looking at your vagina so that you know that the queen is okay. Hey,
1: everyone. Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle. Today's episode, wow. That's that's really where <laughs> where we have to start off here. I am chatting all things feminine wellness with Dr. Jacqueline Walters, better known to many as Dr. Jackie. She is an Atlanta-based board certified OBGYN and I know I have some male identifying hurdlers in the mix, but this episode in particular is for the ladies. Wow, I keep I keep coming back to this word because um, I feel uncomfortable to say the next word. I'm gonna say eight thousand times in today's episode, which is vagina. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. If I was uncomfortable saying that word before I recorded this episode, to be honest, I am incapable of being uncomfortable saying that word after recording this episode because we say it a lot. And it's important that we say it a lot because we're talking all about the things that you need to know to take care of yours if you happen to have one. Dr. Jackie makes it completely accessible and really breaks down a lot of the things that we need to know. We cover questions like, is it normal to have irregular periods when training? What are some irregularities that should have us scheduling a doctor's visit? What is considered a normal amount or color of, oh my God, the word discharge oh so weird um is there a proper way to cleanse down there uh are there certain types of fabrics that we should be looking at when it comes to what we choose for our underwear we cover it all breast health as well i mean Nothing's off limits here. Dr. Jackie is a wealth of knowledge. And despite me being the most awkward turtle ever, and we certainly get into a little TMI at times, she made me feel really comfortable. And that's something we actually touch upon when it comes to working with an OBGYN that is right for you. That expert, that person is going to be someone who does just that, who makes you feel comfortable. Because when you feel comfortable in this space then you can really talk about what's going on with you and what's going on with your body and that is important before we get to it today i want to give some love to my friends at beam Now, Beam makes a lot of great products, but one that I have been leaning into a lot more lately, appropriate segue here, is literally called The One. It is their CBD tincture, and it's all about versatility. It is blended with refined hemp seed oil, grapeseed oil, and peppermint oil. And why I love it is that you can add it to absolutely anything from drinks to dressings, i even just do it solo by placing a couple of drops under my tongue it's a super simple thing that you can add into your routine that helps to support calmness and a better state of mind which considering all the things that are going on in gestures loosely the world i uh i can certainly use right about now and i have a feeling many many of you can relate. Snack some for yourself. Of course, I have an awesome deal for you. We've got 15% off the entire Beam store by heading on over to beamtlc.com. That's B E A M T L C.com and using the code HURDLE at checkout. Again, that's beamtlc.com. Use HURDLE at checkout. Make sure you're following along with HURDLE over on social. It's at HURDLE Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And I just of alluded to this but there's a lot going on in the world right now and i know it can feel frustrating to feel as though you don't know the right way to help or how you can get involved or where you should be getting your information from like i get it i feel the same way i would encourage you to continue on in your day-to-day doing one thing that we can all do which is just being kind and compassionate to the people that you come across those that you're interacting with it can make a really big difference and with that, oh man, here we go. Let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Jacqueline Walters. She is an OBGYN. How are you doing today?
0: I'm having a super day and it's Monday. So, you know, I make it a good day.
1: I make it a good day. You make a conscious choice to have a good day.
0: I wake up every day and I set my thermostat for a good day.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Well, I said to you right before we started recording, I'm going to say it again. I know that this conversation is going to be a lot more natural for you than it is for me because I don't, actually say the word vagina a
0: lot. <laughs> you don't say the word vagina. I say the vagina all day. All, all day. day. Now, the truth is, I I get so many different words for the vagina now that I know different cultures call it different things. A lot of women will whisper the word vagina because I'm like, I said, nobody's in here but me, you and God, it's okay. <laughs> and so you're not by yourself. Most women don't like saying the word vagina.
1: There's a lot of, I feel like there's a couple of other words that fall into this arena, including a word that could be associated with the vagina, moist.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. They don't like saying that. Because, you know, I do ask. I'm like, are you getting moist? And they look around the room and they like, <gasps> uh, Yeah. I said, it's okay. It's okay. We want it moist. I said, I want it like your mouth. <laughs> and you know what it feels like to have a dry mouth? I want your vagina just like it. And think about it the vagina looks like the mouth, a nose, lips. You know.
1: <laughs> well, we are here today to talk about feminine wellness. Let's coin it that term. And before I start to ask you the hard hitting questions, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about how you got into this field of medicine.
0: So I am. I was known as Dr. Jacqueline Walters. I have somehow lost that name and I'm known as Dr. Jackie now. Uh, I've been in OBGYN for 25 years. I chose wellness. And the reason I chose a field where it was well woman health is I grew up in a small town in Mississippi and we didn't talk about it. We didn't say the word vagina. Your mother whispered about it. We we badger shamed. Like when you talked about the vagina, it was something dirty or something nasty. And I just kept thinking one day I'm going to grow up and I am going to normalize the vagina. I am going to make it where nobody is embarrassed to talk about it. And that's where I really want us as women to become Don't be embarrassed about it. I've had enough to happen in my life now that I have no shame. And so I try and educate, like your vagina is not making history. It has been done before. If you go back to the Bible, there are things in the Bible that they did to and with their vagina. So your vagina's not making history. You are not the first person to have been cheated on. You're not the first person to have an accident with your period. You're not the first person to go what's that smell going on down there? You are not the first person. So I wanted to do well, woman. So I went to college wanting to become a doctor. I fell in love with this guy. I could drink a gallon of his bath water. So I decided I didn't want to be a doctor. I would just do medical technology. And I got into med tech and he dumped me. And so I wanted to go back to medical school, but my mother's punishment was, you have to complete this program and then you can go back. Went there, four years of residency. I moved to Atlanta where we did some of our training. I was at Mercer in Macon, Georgia. And here I am. And I have been practicing OBGYN since that time and love, well, most of. There are some days that it's not always a happy job because I have to give bad news. But for the most part, I love what I do. All my best friends have come through as patients. And I just fall in love with the patient. And that's my best friend.
1: I love it. I love it.
0: Well, it sounds like you're certainly in the
1: right field for you. And I'm sure the hurdlers, as I call my audience, are grateful for you today, especially because you're going to give them some of the intel that they really need. So like I said, we're talking about feminine wellness. Maintaining your vaginal health and feminine wellness as a whole is an important part of living an overall healthy lifestyle, period, end of sentence. So are there certain things that we should be keeping in mind when it comes to general feminine hygiene?
0: Well, one, knowing the anatomy is important. You know, a lot of women are very confused when I use the proper terminology. So when I say clitoris, they mean, you mean right here? Uh, yes. So just get familiar with your normal anatomy labia majora, labia, labia minora, the, the, the thinner inner lips, the clitoris, the clitoral hood, the vagina, the perineum, and then the rectum. And just knowing how to have a conversation about it. And then knowing that the vagina is actually cleaner than the mouth. A lot of people look at the vagina as if it's nasty and the mouth is fine. You have way more bacteria in your mouth than you have in your vagina. And so part of feminine health is to know that the vagina is designed as a self-cleaning oven. You don't have to do a lot to it to make sure that your vagina is healthy. The other parts is your nutrition and your water intake is all as important to it, to vaginal health. And to know that there are certain bacteria that should be in the vagina. I call it the ecosystem. It's your defense of the vagina. It's just to know that that is all a part of normal, being a normal female, and that it is not supposed to smell like strawberries and roses, that it has its own specific uh, musky not musty, but musky odor that comes along with a healthy vagina. A lot of women want to scour the vagina out like it's a pot. You know, I got a clean, clean, you don't. You allow it to clean itself and not to add a whole lot of additives to the vagina, and then you're in there with, you know, now. If you are doing things to the vagina, putting things, people. Places and and things in the vagina, you may disrupt your normal ecosystem. And that's when we start to get into uh, vaginitis.
1: Got it. You mentioned hydration can impact vaginal health. Talk to me a little bit about what hydration's role is in that regard.
0: So, we're mostly water as people. It takes water for everything in your body to work. Also, it cleanses the body. I mean, you're drinking water and you're, you know, you're turning over cells, and that's all important. You need the cells to be hydrated. And just like the dust is skin cells, vaginal discharge is old epithelial cells that are shedding along with the mucus. And then some women, what you eat, you will smell it again in your vagina because we have certain women who don't break down oils and different aromas through the vagina. So drinking water will help purify that, help dilute that out. So water, 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 water.
1: Super interesting that you would smell that perhaps in an odor, um, as opposed to just, I know, like, for example, I literally just had asparagus with my dinner, a great example of a food that people are always like, well, you can smell that in your urine after you consume it.
0: Yes. And so same for the vagina. You can smell, some women, you will smell onions. Uh, A lot of women can't bring down the oils in fish and seafood. And they get that seafood odor a day or two after having eaten seafood and it tends to pass. So you are, you know, it is important to hydrate again and just kind of help move that uh, smell along.
1: Now for a super active woman, oftentimes we hear about that, that activity level can disrupt uh, your, her regular cycle. Let's talk a little bit about that. And if there's a point perhaps where someone should be especially concerned with that irregularity.
0: So it takes a certain amount of body fat for uh, those proper hormones. You need need body fat. And when women are super thin and they don't have body fat, it disrupts the production of certain hormones. And so your hormones are thrown off, hence your cycle's thrown off, because it's important to have estrogen and progesterone and your ovaries will make the estrogen and progesterone, but you need that body fat. And so when you're not getting, when you don't have that and those hormones are disrupted, hence your cycle's totally thrown off as well. And in order to have a cycle, you have to have estrogen to stimulate that endometrial, the inside lining of the uterus, because it's really just sitting there waiting on a baby. Like, come on, come on, waiting on you to get pregnant. And each month when you're not getting pregnant, you shed that lining and start all over again. But if your hormones are disrupted, you don't have body fat, you may not be taking in proper nutrition, then you're not getting that enough endometrial lining to even have a period. Interesting.
1: And so, I mean, I'll bring a little personal experience to the show. You are welcome, everyone. But for me, I have had irregular cycles for as long as I can remember. Um, sometimes getting something one month, sometimes not getting something the next month. And every single time I've seen many different physicians at this point, they will reference, well, it's probably a combination of the fact that you are super active. I'm probably uh, running, I would say, maybe six days a week and whatever birth control you're on, right? So I've been Mm -hmm. on the pill for a very, very long time now. But no one seems to be phased. So how do you know when you should maybe be worried about this versus not so concerned
0: about it? So on an average, a woman will have a 28 day cycle. And what do I mean by that? That's the beginning of this period to the beginning of the next period, which will occur every 28 days. And we'll correct. And I will correct a woman who goes, but I had a period twice in the month. Well, sure. You had it on the first of the month and then you got it again on the 29th. And they're like, oh my God, they're very frazzled. And so it's not necessarily about It happened in the same month. It's how many days apart. So on an average, a woman will have about a 21 to 30, 35 day cycle. And as long as she is in that range, and you will see your cycle change with different phases in life. Like you said, I'm a runner, I'm on birth control pills, and they really have redesigned birth control pills now where a woman really doesn't get much of a period at all. And if you are irregular, taking the birth control pill, getting back the estrogen and progesterone you need is to your benefit because bone health is important as well. But regular is about 21 to, t- to 35. And if you say every 25 days I get a period, then you're regular. You know, it just happens to fall in the same month sometimes because right. of the number of days in the month.
1: What would you say perhaps other irregularities are that may have a woman looking into scheduling a consultation or a special visit?
0: So if there's a woman who has one who's late starting her period, she's 18 years old and she has breasts and she's never had a period, we do want her to check in with us. But if there's a woman who's had a period, started a period at 13, and all of a sudden she stops having a period and there's no explanation for no period, then we think that person should come on, come in because your thyroid function or dysfunction could definitely throw your cycle off. A lot of women we're seeing now, because we know more about it, may have something called polycystic ovarian syndrome or um, metabolic syndrome or insulin resistance. And those ladies are not secreting the proper amount of uh, estrogen and progesterone. The insulin level's high. Those women may not get periods for years. That's not healthy because we want to make sure that endometrial lining that we were talking about isn't very thick because a thickened lining that's not shedding every month could potentially become what we call hyperplasia and could become malignant. So if you're not getting, if you once had normal periods and then all of a sudden you stopped your period, you should definitely have an evaluation. Or if your period went from being a moderate flow for the first day to a light flow, and now all of a sudden you're just bleeding and nonstop bleeding, we want you to check in with us as well. But there may be medical reasons that women are not having a period or oftentimes having them too much fibroids, uh, endometrial polyps, um, anything that could cause an, an ectropion or what's another word for, may cause your cervix to be a little abnormal. We do want to make sure that you are safe.
1: It seems as though a lot of the things that you are highlighting can also be points of conversation in your annual visit, which would be why your annual, uh, especially to your OBGYN, is super important.
0: Absolutely. And that's, I encourage women to almost journal their wellness you know, this is something to come And Most of the time you go, I come in and I'm like, I'm a Rudy to the 2D doctor. Mental health. We've been in a pandemic. How's it going? Because oddly enough, if you're super stressed out, then you will also have your hypothalamus thrown off. And when the hypothalamus is not secreting certain hormones then the pituitary is thrown off. And when the pituitary is thrown off, the ovaries won't do what they need to do. So we do encourage mental health as one of those things we want to talk about. And then heart smart, you know, leading cause of death in women now is heart disease. So we do talk about heart smart. And obviously that's not what I'm there for, but I'm there definitely to make a suggestion for a referral. And then gut health is important. And then for me, you know, I'm always like vagina. Is everything okay? I also think that a lot of women,
1: like I can certainly speak to this, although in recent years, I've been much better with it. But there were years that like my annual doctor's visit, so to speak, was going to see my OBGYN because that was one I knew that I never wanted to skip. It was always really important for me, especially considering some of my past health history. So I can totally understand. And I think it's really important that, you know, you're starting to pulse check in some of these other areas, because it could bring up, as you mentioned, something that's worth talking about with another physician. And it's really great that that physician can then give you a referral to someone else in their network.
0: Absolutely. And women are not as open and transparent because they feel like I'm going to judge or somebody may judge them or they're embarrassed by what I do day to day with my vagina. I don't want to share it, but it is, you know, I tell women I'm the Olivia Pope of the vagina. If you get into trouble, I can get you out. Oh, and man. so you, you really want to have a relationship, which is important, have a relationship with your OBGYN so that you can come in and they go, girl, You know what I did? And I'm like, girl, we need to check for this or check for that. Or, you know, I'm smelling this or I feel that. And then I give suggestions. You know, I talk about my favorite things. And I have a whole list of some of my favorite things for the vagina. And we'll definitely talk about a few of those things. But that's why I tell women, have a relationship with an OBGYN and try not to shop around too much because you never really get to develop a relationship with your doctor.
1: I do think that that's a super important note uh is finding someone that truly makes you feel comfortable because it is, again, it's your body holding back, isn't going to do you any favors. So finding someone similar to like searching around for the right therapist, like find someone and stick with them. If you feel really comfortable in that situation, I love what you had to say about a list of my favorite things for the vagina, which obviously means that I'm going to have to ask you what some of these are. Although I do feel like I'm deviating from where I'm trying to go with this, but I couldn't let that one slide.
0: Well, favorite things for the vagina. One is I I don't use soap. You know, as many women go, what? I don't believe in putting additives into the vagina that's going to throw off that normal pH that you should have in the vagina. And I'm a big believer. And if I can bring any names in, I'll bring in Refresh. And Refresh is a gel that I love, love, love. And I do this, Dr. Jackie's favorite things, gifts for my friends. And in that is always Refresh. Refresh. I'm like, okay, you need refresh because you want to refresh her, but also stabilize the pH in the vagina. So that's one of my, and probiotics, love, love, love probiotics. And I have to distinguish between gut health and vaginal health because there are, there are a little bit of differences between the two, but I do talk about probiotics for gut health and vaginal health. Um, you know, I, I don't like women using Uh, towels over and over again. So I'm like, just use your hand to slush out the vagina. So I do those things. And then just Some of the other girl things I like having in my life is, you know, certain colognes. So I give all those things out to my friends that I have come to like, you know, like Oprah's favorite thing. I love Dr. Jackie's favorite things. I have a Dr. Jackie's favorite thing. I need to get on this list. Yes. For my (laughs) brides, Dr. Jackie's favorite things for women who have breast cancer. But I do the same thing with, especially my teens going away to college, you know, even poopery, you know, like if you got a new girl in the dorm. You don't want to get bad, you know, use some of this. So I just give them a a gift bag of these favorite things that I love. You
1: mentioned probiotics. Now, is there a difference between a probiotic or a prebiotic that could be in a daily supplement that I take versus something that may be specifically for my feminine health?
0: Yeah, the, the vaginal probiotics will give you back that good lactobacillus that you have. Some of the gut probiotics may not necessarily provide the actual bacteria you need for the vagina. Target specific, again, you know, I love, I'm, I'm a I'm a refresh girl. They have ProB as one of theirs. And I'm certainly, and then supplements, you know, I do tell women, so we're going from probiotics to make sure you're taking the right supplements. We're in a pandemic, you know. Uh, D, C, and zinc will be your friends. Something we haven't specifically
1: talked about yet, although I do believe you mentioned the D word, discharge. Everyone I know is very different, can have different amounts, consistencies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is so awkward to talk about, <laughs> but we're going to talk about it. So for right. someone who is active, is there a, uh, a certain amount so to speak that would be normal versus a certain amount that should be uh, something that you should perhaps reach out to an obgyn about and for someone who may be getting a heavier amount of discharge what would you recommend uh, for them to navigate that on the day to day
0: so we normalize vaginal discharge by one mentioning around the time of ovulation should you not take birth control pills rings patches or anything that would would stop ovulation you may notice a bit more of an egg yolk consistency where it just kind of comes out of the vagina. You know, if you pull it, and that's important to us, that whole uh, string effect. During that time, you may notice more watery discharge. Now, if you're having a copious amount of discharge where you stand up and you're just pouring discharge, especially if it has an odor and it has a color to it. Now, I do believe in the mirror. I mean, when I wrote The Queen V, I'm like, get your mirror out and look at it. You know, if you feel like something's not right, please put your eyes on it because you can't necessarily use your underwear as the color test. Because by the time you go throughout the day and the oil and the dirt from the skin on the labia has changed the color of the underwear or drying effect has changed the color. So I tell women if there's an odor, if there's irritation or itching, if it's copious amounts where it is kind of just running out of the vagina, that mm-hmm. may not be normal. But you are right when you said earlier, every woman's a little different. Uh, I'm a big panty liner wearer. You know, I'm sharing I'm, I'm TMI, but I like wearing panty liners because I'm really about staying dry. That's important too. So if you're walking around throughout the day and you're just wet all day, then you're setting yourself up for things like yeast infections. So you want to make sure that you're, you know, you're dry and that's a catch 22. We don't want the actual vagina dry, but we want to feel dry throughout the day. And that's like wearing your gym clothes all day. You don't want to do that or walking around in a bathing suit that's wet all day. Same thing with underwear. Well, if you feel like you're wet all day, then you may want to consider a panty liner.
1: Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Gooder. Gooder makes the best Active sunglasses. There, I said it, it's a bold statement, but I have been swearing by my gooder sunglasses for over a year now, and I cannot remember what my life was like without them. They, I love how they are stylish and functional, and I never ever have to worry about them falling or slipping, whether I am on a bike ride heading who knows where or tackling five by 1200 meter repeats around the track with my friends at Brooklyn Track Club. They have so many different looks, styles, colors, shapes, you name it. Something for every single taste. Of course, they've got an awesome deal for Hurdle listeners. It's 15% off at checkout using the code HURDLE15. Head on over to gooder.com, that's dot com slash HURDLE, and use code HURDLE15 to get 15% off today. Now, one note. This code, it's only good for the first 200 people. So if you've been on the fence about snagging yourself some sunglasses, now is the time. Gooder.com slash hurdle. You mentioned something that I'm sure a lot of listeners want to know a little bit about, which would be wearing your gym clothes around for too long. Even if you're perhaps not doing it too long in one period, but you're constantly changing in and out of gym clothes. You're constantly
0: running around.
1: What's the concern with that?
0: So yeast love hot, warm, wet spaces. And so if you're walking around with your you know, you're perspiring and the heat is being contained in that area and you're not changing, you're just setting yourself up for a yeast infection. And so it is definitely, if you have worked out and you, especially if you're doing it commando style, you really need to get out of those wet, warm, soggy uh, pants because yeast are like, "Mm, this is the right environment. And if we want to avoid vaginitis of any sort, you want to make sure you're changing those under um, underpants.
1: I know that, uh, you know, so many times I have in the past, if I've experienced something like a yeast infection, everyone gives you like all, instant, like unsolicited advice. If you mention it to a friend, it's like, oh, well you should be eating X or doing Y or yada, 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 yada to make it pass as fast as possible. Any mm-hmm. quick tips for someone who may be navigating
0: this issue and would love to, as we all would, make it just go away ASAP? So what you mentioned, and I tease the patients, that that's advice from the street committee. You know, <laughs> we all have a whole committee of women in our lives that are telling us what to do, especially to the woman who has recurrent vaginitis. One, she wants to just kind of probe life and see what she may be doing that's setting her up. That goes back to medical conditions as well. If You know, make sure she's not a diabetic or maybe PCOS where They're doing, you know, a little heavier and they're doing a lot of sweating there. But a probiotic, I go back to that. You want to keep that ecosystem in check so that you are not having an overgrowth of yeast or bacterial vaginosis. And uh, your diet is super important. What are you eating? Are you eating up? You know, you're doing gummies all day. You're drinking sugary drinks all day. So you want to make sure your diet is important. We talked about water. Water is the best thing you could flood your body with every day, but getting out of those wet underwear and then around your period is to try and make sure you're not wearing tampons all day, all the Mm. time. So hygiene is important in the around your period as well. Uh, I go back to my friend refresh, because I'm going to say that over and over, because that is one of my favorite things, which will help stabilize the pH. So if you can keep your pH in that acidic range that it should be in, it will not allow yeast and bacterial vaginosis to overtake you.
1: And I know something that can contribute to perhaps a weird word I'm going to throw into the mix here, the climate down there could Uh be what choice of underwear you lean into, especially for activities. So what advice do you have when it comes to that?
0: So I'm a big believer in cotton underwear or at least cotton lined underwear. And I love thongs. I mean, it, but I try to buy the ones where it's not just this string. And the reason I've done that is you're rubbing from the back to the front to the back. And those two environments should not be connected, right? You know, and we'll throw out, you know, what goes on in Vegas should stay in Vegas. So even with intercourse and that type of activity is you want to make sure you're not dragging from the back to the front. So cotton lined underwear breathable cotton-lined underwear will be important. I'm like looking right now
1: to see literally like what fabric it doesn't say. Oh, Lycra, Lycra, four-way stretch, breathable, breathable cotton gusset. Okay. So you know what I think it is? I do think that a lot of like, quote unquote, athletic underwear, they have cotton in it, but it just feels a little different, obviously, than like right now I'm probably wearing like a mostly cotton dress, but like my cotton Mm -hmm. dress feels very different than my active underwear. It's just a different combination of fabrics, I would say.
0: And you also have, since we're talking about underwear for the woman who has just recurrent vaginitis, sometimes we even tell them come out of the the colored underwear, huh. you know, try to find something that doesn't have a lot of dye in it uh, and see if that doesn't help at all. But I can always say to women, diet is extremely important. Nutrition is, in, nutrition is important. Probiotics. And, and what are you doing to your vagina? Now we're going to get a little risque. If you are... Having multiple partners, you are definitely more likely to have a disruption of the, the pH in your vagina because you're mixing different floras. Mm. You know, there one guy has this girl and then he goes to this girl. and he, So he's creating this whole combustion of flora that they're putting in place. So women who find themselves with recurrent vaginitis will have to also wonder what type of activities they're participating in.
1: And something that we haven't touched on yet and the last thing that we're going to touch on today together, uh, we haven't necessarily talked about the girls up top. We haven't talked about anything when it comes to breast health. So two questions. One mm-hmm. Uh, Something that I know the women listening to this are probably curious about, if they have not yet uh, started to do annual uh, mammograms, but they, of course, at any age, you're going to be, when you go in for your annual OBGYN appointment, you're going to be doing regular breast exams. But if you haven't started getting mammograms yet, is there any guidelines that you can provide about when someone should really consider incorporating that into their uh, annual routine, so to speak?
0: So, this one, yes, I can answer the question because I'm a two time breast cancer survivor. So, let me shout out to women. It's early detection is your best protection. Uh, It's to say that if you talk about the American College of OBGYN, which governs OBGYNs, or I believe the American Cancer Society, we do recommend a mammogram starting at age 40. Now, let me qualify. If you have had a first degree relative with breast cancer, your mother, or your sister, or your brother, or your father, then you should get your mammogram 10 years before that relative was actually diagnosed with it. If they, you're not sure about the age, I will say 30. You know, Get your first mammogram at age 30. Now, though, we can do genetic testing. And so if a woman presents and her mom or her sister or her dad or brother had breast cancer, we can certainly screen them to see if they have any genetic predisposition to developing breast cancer. But if you just came in my office and you're a woman who's 40 years or older, we do recommend annual mammogram screenings to up about up to about the age of 65. And I even tell 65 year old women, your life isn't over and this is something you want to do. You know, we can do it to 68. We can do it to 70. But right. you do need an annual mammogram. You need to do self breast exams every month and a good time to do it is the week after your period when all those hormonal changes have gone away. Checking your breasts in the tub or shower when your hands are soapy and wet and multiple positions, you know, standing, lying flat, you know, check your left with your right and your right with your left because there are very few nerve endings on this side of the hand and you want to do it Mm. more on this portion of the hand. And then taking vitamin D3, has also been found to decrease the risk of breast cancer. So we're encouraging that as well.
1: Wow. Some really, really great advice here. Thank you so So, much for for sharing that. Breast
0: health is super important. Like I started, early detection is your best protection. And if we're dying more, we should be doing more.
1: Yes, we should be doing more. The last thing that I want to ask you about, again, when it comes to that active woman or honestly just any woman, um, I'm a fan of going without a bra, but obviously that's not an option when it comes to sport. Anything that we should be taking into consideration when it comes to appropriate uh, sports bra or fit uh, for taking care of our girls when we're getting active?
0: And I will be honest, I'm not a big fan of underwire. And why mm. is that I do believe that the underwire just kind of moves around and creates a calloused area underneath, which is always very confusing for the woman who's checking her breast. But it's thick in that area because it's responding to that wire constantly rubbing. So if you could find a good supporting bra that is comfortable to the back and hold the girls up and in place, that's important. But I do tell women, take your bras off when you're home. You know, if if you can just allow the lymphatic drainage to take place, just be free and not to wear a bra. You know, girls will try and sleep in bras and my mother never allowed it. Now she never gave me a reason why, but she just told us never to sleep in a bra. But there is something to just let those breasts go free and let the lymphatic drainage do what it needs to do. And then just make sure you know your breasts like you know your way home. You can tell that this is always very thick in this area. If there is a mass, you want to report that to your doctor. If you have any nipple drainage, especially if it's bloody or green, you want to talk to the doctor. If you feel any unusual feelings in the axillary underneath the arms, you want to report that to your doctor. So anything that you suspect isn't correct. But women who have fibrocystic breasts, a lumpy, bumpy breasts, will kind of get to know their breasts. They know that around their periods, it's kind of thicker, more tender. That's when I say know your breasts like you know your way home. For uh, any
1: women who are perhaps having issues with uh, leaking or incontinence, especially when it comes to activity, is there anything that they can do on their own, perhaps before seeking alternative means or, you know, some of the things that we've heard about these days, vaginal rejuvenation, what can they do on their own before they get to that step?
0: So if you have any stress incontinence, which let me just tell you, because I have matured, we don't call it aging anymore, we're maturing, you will definitely encounter some stress incontinence. And when we say stress incontinence is if you cough or sneeze or jump, you may feel a little bit of a squirt or an all-out leak. For those women who may have some stress incontinence, I'm a big believer in doing Kegels. And they make all types of Kegel sizers now. Uh, They make weighted cones. They make these little contraptions where you can work your pelvic muscle, pelvic floor muscles to try to. T- it's like doing weights. You know how we tone up the biceps? Just Google it. You'll find all types. So definitely do that. And then make sure you go to the bathroom. You know, as women, we do everything for everybody else. And we'll wait to the last minute to go to the bathroom. So you're kind of putting a strain in that area. And then be careful with what you're drinking. Caffeine and and those sugary drinks will sometimes make us go to the bathroom but there are things you can do now pelvic floor physical therapy is really big and popular now and there are some wonderful physical therapists out there who can teach you how to exercise those muscles and show you what you need to do i do believe i have this injection that i do but you may have heard of the o shot and i call it the wow shot because by default when you do a an o shot It definitely makes the uh, orgasmic tissue more sensitive, but it also helps with stress incontinence. Mm. It increases collagen production and that the neck around the bladder neck, the ring around the bladder neck, the sphincter is stronger. And I personally will tell women after an old shot, I I had no incontinence. It was like... (laughs) Okay, this is a good thing. So this is a good thing, can... and it and it felt good.
1: Apparently, I I think it's I think it's interesting. Uh, I didn't know that they made like tools that, or like I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like uh, it sounds like I don't know, picking up a
0: dumbbell or using
1: a foam roller. Like no, I didn't and know that's that. Exactly, they...
0: That's exactly what it looks like. Wait, and let me sh- let me warn your listeners. You think, oh, I'm gonna put this little light cone in my vagina, girl. It will fall right out if you don't have strong enough muscles to hold it. And some people even use them for fun because if you move them in and out of the vagina, you're gonna hit those erogenous tissues. But yes, look for weighted cones, or they call them keg- kegel like exercise.
1: Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for all this intel. I know I certainly learned a lot. I think there's probably, we could probably keep talking for quite some time here. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you think is really important to kind of bring some awareness to before I let you go today?
0: I want women to be free. And the reason I wrote my book, The Queen Bee, is to allow a certain amount of freedom around the vagina, like normalize saying the word vagina, talking about your vagina, and getting a mirror and looking at your vagina so that you know that, the queen is okay.
1: The queen is okay. Dr. Jackie, thanks so much for your time today. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Give us all of the details.
0: So if you go to Instagram, I'm uh, the real Dr. Jackie. If you do Facebook and Twitter, it is Dr. Jackie Walters. And if you want to hear more about women's health, I do a podcast as well called Dr. Jackie's Point of Me.
1: Love it. I am over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.